I see you, yeah you, flipping through all the podcasts, looking for something different. Tired of those with all the catchy phrases, a one-size-fits-all quick fix schemes that never seem to fit. My name is Anthony Hart, and if you are like me, you want more than a moment. We are looking for a movement of groundbreakers and world changers who are tired of the status quo, willing to throw it all up to see what sticks, willing to ask a question before pointing a finger. This is your invitation into a collection of thoughtful ponderings posed to make you think, one-on-one conversations that challenge you with fresh perspective, and roundtable discussions where sparks fly as iron sharpens iron. Intrigued? Pull up a seat. We've been waiting for you. But don't get comfortable. You might be up next. In the Red is now in session. Let's go. Um, I've been in a place of contemplation following Christmas this year. Um, all the last two weeks, I guess, really. You know, we always build up to Christmas, and I say the, the broken part of church sometime, and I've, I think I've spoken this over most of you have always I've heard this, but I've heard pastors say that we've walked into the football season of, of church, that we have people from Christmas to Easter, and then they're left to their own devices in the summer months. So we have, we've gotten through the preseason now, and now um, the NFL season has started for church, and we really got to get it in and get the truth and get people, get the hook set in before Easter so we can really lock them in and maybe keep them for the summer season. I don't know. It's such a broken mentality that we put on that block. But I, I begin to think about coming out of Christmas, what does God really want to get into his church? Because we, we talk about it that Sunday or that Christmas Eve for us, um, of the gift that we've received. And, you know, we see a lot of churches see people give their lives to Christ on that night or that morning. But then we fall right back into the habit of doing church again. You know what I mean? We, we all, we, sometimes we'll have vision casting services in New Year's, and we try to put something new into the church. But I really think as I begin to look back, what needs to be in the church is already here. It's just a matter of amplifying it. Because what we do is we see Jesus for who he was, the gift of salvation, a life sent to die a death that we could not, pay a price that we could not, so that we might have access to eternal life with the Father, a restoration of all the brokenness. But I think we have to understand that Jesus is more than that. Now you're like, oh, what? Like, is that not enough? And I want to bring it to you in two words today as we kind of walk into this series. What we're going to do over the next couple of weeks is we're going to talk about some statements that Jesus made when he said, I came. I came. There's 11 statements we find in the New Testament in the four books where Jesus says, I came. And he discusses why he came to this earth. And it's never, I came to die for you. There's always something more that Jesus came to accomplish. And we have to understand when we walk through his life, when we see how he preached, we see what he taught, there is a depth to his death, something bigger. And I'm going to deliver it to you this way today. Has anybody made a New Year's resolution this year? Anybody in here? Okay, we got a couple. There's only a couple, so now it's really telling if I ask this. Has anybody already broke their New Year's resolution? (laughs) See, in a larger crowd, that statement is, oof. There's there's a lot of people every year that, that make New Year's resolutions, right, that Man, there is something in my life I've got to change. Whatever it is, maybe it's eating habits. You know, the three most they say is, I'm going to diet or exercise. Um, another one is, I'm going to save money or change my, uh, the way I deal with money. I'm, save is a big one, right? I'm going, to, I'm going to save money this year. I'm going to ha- walk out of 2022 with a bank account the size of Texas. Or... I'm going to quit smoking, or I'm going to drink less, or I'm going to do something, you know, these things that I know I shouldn't be doing as much as I do. i got to quit it or stop it, right? That's, that's the mindset of these um, New Year's resolutions. But the problem with a lot of people is they get to New Year's, and they've really put zero thought into it other than I'm going to do it, right? 
And, and what do we base these resolutions off of? A lot of time it's what somebody else said about us, right? If your spouse is looking at you all down, like, those jeans don't fit the way they used to, do they? Well, suck it in a little bit in front of the mirror. But you know, so it puts this in your mind, like, well, maybe I need to work out or cut back on the sweets a little bit. And, and we ramp it up, right? I was in Arkansas for Christmas last week, and I, I ain't going to lie to you, I ate too much sweets. Why? Because it was there. And I prayed over it. <laughs> but I don't feel like it did anything. Because those jeans I ordered, put them on, and they should have been the right size. But I wasn't. So now I've got to go and hit the gym a little bit. I've got to eat better. We look at our bank account, and we look, especially Christmas is that time of year where we get out and we spend too much, right? We got credit cards, and we start looking at those bills, and then, man, that last week, the week of Christmas is like, oh, my God, why did I do that? My kids didn't need all of that crap. Now I got to clean up after them. I gotta, I'm sorry if you're new here. I say crap. It's okay. That offends you. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. But the last week of the year is really a moment of reflection and in a moment of just, <laughs> I don't have any money. I ate too much. And uh, that drove me to smoking and drinking. And I got to change my life. See, the problem is that's how we came to meet Christ, many of us. We, we come in broken, lost, messed up. People have told us, you are a jacked up mess, Wendy. Sorry, I just called Wendy out. She's the first one here. Everybody knows, I don't know that Wendy's a jacked up mess. Any of, but all of us, like, if you got friends in church or you were raised in church and you got out of church and all the things and everybody's looking at you like, Oof, you do not need to be doing what you're doing on Friday night. You need to be in church. You need some Jesus in your life. So we walk in in much the same regards, looking at our life in just shambles and brokenness, and all we're looking really is a resolution. Now, let's talk about what a resolution is. I'm going to get to Scripture. I'm sorry. Resolution is this, an act of finding an answer or solution. So for many of us, maybe I'm not talking to the right crowd today. Maybe I'm just ministering into you so you can begin to take this to somebody else. And that's okay, too. We have a small crowd. Um, so I'm just going to assume that y'all are right here with me, and we're preparing for tomorrow for meet somebody that needs to hear this, right? Because we don't make resolutions. We're seeking revelations. Okay. Because the resolution is just that. I need an answer to my problem. I need a solution. So many of us, when we walked in that first time, had zero idea what our real problems were. See, the, the resolutions you make in a state of brokenness are very limited on what you can see right in front of your face. This is why resolutions generally fail, because it's based off of an emotion and it's not based off of a fact. So an emotion is, man, I see that person on Instagram, and they're an influencer, and they look good in that bikini. And I know I have five to six months, depending on what part of the country I live in, to get in my bathing suit. And my booty's too big. So I got to do some things. Or I know we got the vacation season coming up from the family, and we didn't really do anything last year because we're broke, and I just spent all this money, and I got to get ready because we're going to go spend a lot of money at Disney World. It's all based off of trying to get to this space or comparing yourself to others, but there's not a change in you that says, I have to. See, the difference between a resolution is a resolution is I want to, and it can even get to a place of I need to. But when you look at revelation, revelation is, I have to. Because there's something that changes in you, and it's not a want anymore. It's not a need compared to somebody else. There is something that begins to drive you towards it. Are y'all with me today? Revelation is this, usually secret or surprising fact that is made known. So it's just something that you didn't have a hold of at first. You didn't understand, and just bam. Have anybody ever been reading this word, and you've read it a couple of times? I'm in this place, and I've been, I'm 43, on, 43 years on this earth, been in ministry 
ooh, 15 to 20 years, lived in the church my whole life. I was practically born in the church, being a pastor's son. So I've read the Bible, and I, I remember reading it to read it. You remember, like, make that resolution. I'm going to read the Bible in a year. And then you get to Deuteronomy or Leviticus, and oof, you, the wheels get bogged down. And if you're doing it because you want to or somebody told you you need to, you're going to run out of gas and go back to your, I don't even know what books we read now. We don't read books anymore. We go back to our cell phone or our audibles. But we get out of that. So there's something that happens. But now when you really get into the Word and you really begin to read it, and you can read the same Scripture over and over, but depending on where you're at, there's a revelation that occurs based on your situation and circumstances in life. And the problem is we come in in that first moment looking for a resolution, and this revelation is limited by what we think we need or where we think we're broken. In much the same way, our New Year's resolutions are limited to what we can see and what we think we need to do. But there's something deeper that happens when we listen to the words of Jesus. Y'all ready to go with me? We're going to read Matthew 10, and we're going to read 34 through 39. Matthew 10, 34 through 39. If you don't have a Bible, it will be on the screen. We're going to get into a couple of moments, and Jesus speaks two of them here. I have come to. So first he says, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. Man, we could just stop right there because now this brings a lot of questions, right? Because what did we just see back in Luke in the story of Jesus' birth? See, this is the broken part. And we talked about this Christmas Eve, but I think it has to be talked about again is we think we, we sing these songs, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. But really what it said in Luke 2 is glory to God in the highest. This is what the angels told the shepherds. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. Okay. This is a statement. Yes, Jesus came to bring peace, but there is something that has to happen for this peace to begin to occur. Okay? It's not just, ah, you get peace, you get peace. You're jacked up, broken, but have peace in that. Yeah, it's okay. You can be whoever you want to be. See, that's what we're feeding people because that sounds good. So then our Christianity and what we think Jesus is is based on our Christmas carols. Hmm. Wowza. I told you this. I, and we're going to find out why he came. So he says, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. In another words, what he's saying is, I've not come to bring peace to the earthly standards, the earthly organization, because that's what happened in Genesis 3. When sin crept into the earth, I feel a little bit of a ring in my mic. When sin crept in the world, there became an establishment in the earth that was sin. There's a separation between heaven and earth at that moment. So what Jesus is saying is, I did not come to validate the brokenness of sin. I didn't come to bring peace to sin. I'm not even going to come to celebrate sin. That's the earth. I'm not going to put peace in there. I came peace, bring peace to those who I'm well pleased, which means those who have turned away from the earthly standards and begin to seek after me. But listen what he says here. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Oof. Now, this is hard when we begin to think about uh, cuddly Jesus. And we love the bouncing baby boy in a manger, just that's... This is the Jesus that if you've ever saw a Talladega Nights that Will Ferrell prays to, a bouncing, was it eight-pound baby Jesus? That's what we want to see when it comes to Jesus because that's comforting to us. And we feel like that's a resolution because there's something beautiful and cuddly about that image. But now we see Jesus saying, "What? Well, that's what you thought. But here's what I've come to do. I didn't come to give peace to the world, the earth. I came with a sword. 
For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Man, this is a tough message right into the New Year's gate, right? Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. There's three statements there that are hard, hard, hard for us to see. Whoever does not love Jesus above their father and mother. What's that mean? Because it says, honor your father and mother. It says that in the Old Testament. So now we just completely rejected the the Ten Commandments, right? No. What he's saying is, I represent the newness, heaven coming to earth. And there's going to be some mindsets and some brokenness that are handed down from generations before you that can limit you from walking into my truth. Then he says, if you love your children, your son or your daughter more than me, is not worthy of me. So now what is he saying there? Now there's some emotions as a parent for your kids that will begin to determine and filter what this truth is. See, now what he's doing is establishing a truth that is not connected to an old mindset or a new mindset, but it is. It's not connected to what 2021 was bad at. It's not connected to a hope of what 2022 might be. It is. It has been, it will be. But whoever denies me before men, I also, or excuse me, I just went backwards up. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now we get back to the resolution, revolution. Resolution, in this last statement, he says, whoever finds his life, will lose it. What does that mean? See, resolutions are man's attempt to find our life. Right? If you're trying to lose weight, you're trying to become a better version of you, whatever your comparison is. Maybe it is something. But generally, most people don't get a doctor's visit on December 31st right at midnight, and says, you better change this in your life or you're going to die tomorrow. If they did, it wouldn't really be a resolution. It'd be an eye-opening revelation of what's occurring in your life, and you need to change. And this is what Jesus really came to give, was a revolution of what you have to do. But more importantly than that, it's an invitation into revelation, because it doesn't happen immediately. That's what the law did, was it required instantly a change in all these things. And then you start looking through the old laws, and there was some, if you did it, there is no gray area, there's no second chance, there's no, okay, we'll talk about it, it is death, done over kaput. What Jesus came to do is not to undo these laws, and he says this, and this is another one, uh, Matthew five seventeen. Another I come to statement. Matthew 5, 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. See, we see here right again, he says, do not think that I've come first. He has has to break down what you thought I was coming to do. And he's talking to people who were waiting for the Messiah, who had it figured out, who had resolved in their mind what the Messiah came to do. In law and all the things, they had a resolution in their mind of, I need the Messiah to come and abolish the law. That's why he's coming. He's coming. He's bigger than the law. Or to bring peace to all the earth. But in both these statements, he breaks it down right off the bat. I did not come to abolish the law of prophets. I have, or excuse me, that I've come to abolish the law of prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. In other words, I'm coming to bring life to them. I'm not coming to you with a list of 10 resolutions, 10 problem solvers, 10 things that you need to do to be good. What I'm coming is I'm inviting you into the law so you can understand why it was put there, the importance of it in your life, and realize that it's not the end when you mess up, but you can't just keep messing up. 
There has to be a desire in you to want to change. You have to see the need, a revelation of something in this word that challenges you to something different. So I want to talk about these real quick. I read an article, and it was the six reasons why most people fail at resolutions. And as I begin to look at these, I think a lot of us, not us, but the church as a whole, Christians as a whole, we struggle in the same place because we don't see the importance of this word to help us in this. Because the moment we come to accept Christ, it's an invitation, a moment of accepting a walk into something deeper. In much the same way that we don't see it as this, marriage is the exact same way. Because the day we say, I do, I can assure you, we don't have it all together. Because we've been told some things by our parents, even though we've seen their, their marriage struggle or not even work, maybe. We're being told something by a younger generation that you can do whatever you want. And then we try to make that fit. That doesn't work. So we realize we have to come together in the truth between what the word says about our marriage. So marriage is a lot the same way. The day we say I do, it's an invitation to grow together. It just doesn't, I do, boom, we're done. Everything's perfect. That's not how it works. Just ask my wife. She still has to put up with me. Here's the six things, and we're going to talk about these. First one is setting unrealistic resolutions. Setting unrealistic resolutions. How how does this sound comparative to the church? So you've never known anything about church. You're maybe somebody brand new. I'm going to use Kiki for an example. Kiki, you come in here the first moment, and then I just give you this list of guidelines and all these things that you have to do, resolutions, to, to be good with God, right? That would be overwhelming, right? Probably unrealistic if you think about it. If you've never been in church, most of us have been in church, but if, if you've never been in church and you walked in, and this is the way it's been in a lot of places. I, I remember growing up and it was like there was an expectation the moment you got saved that put it in the wood chipper and you're supposed to just process it all, right? It took thousands of years to write this, but it takes five seconds to say I do. See, it's a lot like these unrealistic resolutions we set on New Year's because we know good and well what we did and not did in 2021. Yeah, it didn't work out. And now all of a sudden in this broken mindset of chubby mirror moments, we think that, you know what? I can turn this ship around. I can make it right. I'm hitting the gym hard tomorrow. I'm running three miles. You ain't even walked a half mile in the last six months. Pandemic got you locked in. You're sitting in business meetings in your underwear, and you think you're going to go to the gym and work it out for 45 minutes. Morgan just got a, uh, a Peloton bike. Yeah. Richie, I thought I'm a man. I can ride that bike. It's got the screen on it, and you just jump in on the classes. I'm going to pick some music I like. Yeah, 80s rock, baby. If I'm going to do it, Van Halen, me and them, baby, all the way. That's right. Boop. Take that class, some 80s rock. Let's get on it. Any way you want it, that's the way you need it. Any way you want it. And then all of a sudden she says, okay, we're going to turn it up, and we're going to crank it up. I need to get your heart going this amount and this amount, and we're going to do this for this amount. Okay. I know that's not Van Halen. It's okay. Y'all stick with me. We're getting to Van Halen. Okay, we're still going. Okay, we're going to slow it down now. Crank it down. Crank it down. We're going to crank it back up. How long is this class? 30 minutes. Morgan walks in at the 10-minute mark. Starts making fun of me. It's going to be another part of it in a minute. You get the right people in your corner. Because this is what happens in church. We start setting unrealistic expectations of just diving into the word and getting it all. We got a bunch of Christians sitting back judging us and effectively laughing at us that we're broken and messed up. 
still going. I get to that 15-minute mark, and Van Halen's dreams are playing. And the only dreams I got is getting off of this thing and not dying. And I hit the stop button. I wander off looking like a baby giraffe and Elvis Presley mixed in at once. And I stumble over to the couch and I don't set. I fall. I fall into the presence of the sofa and I realize I set an unrealistic expectation in my workout. It's sad too because Van Halen Dreams is my jam. Do 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 do. It's such powerful words, but in that moment, an unrealistic expectation wrecked my ability to hear it. See, somebody comes into the church and begins to set unrealistic expectations of this word and how they're going to possibly take it in all at once. And the moment the word that should hit you doesn't hit you in the right place because you walked in with unrealistic expectations of what these people, I say these people, it's bigger than this building. Don't take it to heart because I've been just as bad as anybody have put on you. And it's not an invitation to say, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to be better. Tomorrow, I'm going to ride the Peloton with no class. I'm just going to pump, pump a little bit. And I get a kid. I didn't realize 80s rock is not a beginner class. But I wanted to get to a place that I enjoyed the music instead of learning that there's a process I got to walk through to get to it. That's where revelation comes into because revelation occurs. My kids have different revelations than I do. Why? Because I'm 43 and they're 10, 12, and 15. My babies had crazy revelations that wasn't revelations to me because I was older than my mom. But when something popped to their attention, they found that bright and shiny thing and just began to play with it. They found their legs for the first time or their feet. Remember, play with them. If you sit in the floor and play with your feet today, it's not that cool. If that's your revelation, we got some things to talk about. Second one, lack of accountability. See, whether I liked it or not, and I didn't like the way she gave it to me, there was an accountability of my wife. Because here's what she did. While she laughed at me and said, what do you think you're doing? She said, you know, there's a better way to do this. There is a beginner class. Now, I still have not got on this thing again. How many people you know went to church and got hit in the teeth with an 80s rock class of the Bible and have never gone back again because there was nobody along the way to say, it's okay, you can take a beginner course. We need accountability. You ain't going to do this by yourself. That's why Jesus got 12 dudes and not one dude. Because he said, you're all bringing some junk and some stuff to the table. Every one of us walked into this year, walked into this place, walked into this moment, different steps along the way. If you're a workout buff and somebody's about to go work out, you better pair up with them. Not to get them to the place you're at, but invite them to get closer to that place. That's what Jesus did every day of his three years of ministry with those disciples. Every day was an invitation to take another step. He was not afraid to call them out along the way. Oh, ye of little faith. But the moment he said that, he didn't kick them out of the boat and leave them to die. The very next day, he's sending them out to go heal people, to take the gospel to people, to cast out demons. And then they come back and should have it all figured out by then, right? Nope, the next day we're going to feed 5,000 people and those dudes have no idea how he's going to do it. Oh, ye of little faith. Did he, was he done with them then? Nope. Was he done with them when he hung on the cross and some of them didn't get right and ran away? Nope. 
There was always an accountability to get better, but there was, had to be a response. How does that happen? A revelation in you that says, I have to do this. There's going to be a revelation. Luckily for me, I don't have to do it on the bike. I can go run. See, my wife has bad knees, so she can't run. So she needs the bike. Thank the Lord for me. I have a different journey. Hallelujah. And I don't have to get back on the bike. I can go run. And I have an accountability partner that says, you don't have to do it the way I did it. But you still got to do it. That's what needed in the church. The third one. And maybe you're looking and writing these down because you have given a New Year's resolution to yourself. Write these down because these are also ways that you're going to help in your New Year's resolution. I'm not against New Year's resolution, especially if they're making a better version of you. But when you have a revelation of where you're going, it's easy to get through it. No tracking or review. See, this is a bad one in church. It's an all or nothing. It is arrived or departed. We, we don't focus on the journey a lot of times. I, I've said this before, but we've made justification or the act of being made right in your point up to that moment when you accept Christ. We make that a process. And we make sanctification, which should be the process of getting closer to God and, and becoming holy, becoming closer to what he's called us to be. That doesn't happen overnight. It takes a constant revealing of what this is to you and growing and maturing in it and saying, I don't want to do this anymore because this word tells me not to. And I know that that's the sword that Jesus came to wield. The sword that in Hebrews 4 and 12 I'm going to read it. Make sure you hear the the depth of it. Hebrews 4 and 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit and of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the hearts. See, it's the sword that dictates between this and what I want to do or what I think I need to do and what the Holy Spirit is telling me that I need to, that I have to, to get to this place, to mature, to grow up. That's Hebrews 4 and 12, if you're taking notes. But there's a tracking and review. There's a setting of goals. See, we say, I'm going to lose 100 pounds. And we ain't even worked out before. Instead of saying, you know what? I'm going to lose 100 pounds. But I got to get to five first. What do I have to change in my lifestyle that I can get to five? That I can slowly begin to make this thing achievable. Instead of saying, it, Christian is a hard word to wear, in case you don't know that. I'm Christ-like. That's what we try to achieve on day one. You need to set some goals in your life of getting closer to who he says you are, of closer to the things that he invited you to do. Getting into Matthew 5 and looking at the things and not have anger in your heart because that's like murder. Ooh. Okay. I'm going to pick one dude out that I was angry at today. And tomorrow, I got to let that go. It probably should not be the one that wronged you the most. If you can do that, hit it. Go for it. Jump on that Peloton. But make tracking and review. And when you fall short, this is a review moment to say, okay, what did I do to mess up, to slip up and not make this? Maybe I should have took the beginner course before I got into the 80s rock version. We got to put places in our life like this. Otherwise, we become satisfied with being just good enough or not being good enough, and that just become resigned to that place. And then we wonder why there's no peace in our life. Accountability, tracking review go hand in hand. Bring somebody else in on that process. Don't be ashamed of your failures. Don't be ashamed of your missteps. Invite somebody into that and help them challenge you out of it. You better put the right people in your corner because if there is shame and disappointment at every moment you fail, get ready. You'll always be a failure. That's why people are walking out of the church. They've been deemed failures for a long time because every time they mess up, misstep, 
say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing. It is shame, 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 disappointment, disappointment. You'll never be better than that. You'll always be like your mother, your father. You'll never get to where God's calling. You're a horrible Christian, period. And Christianity becomes nothing more than a resolution, a solution to a problem they'll never be able to do. Fourth one, lack of planning. Here's, an, here's a weird one. Because I think sometimes in this one, we do too much planning or people try to plan coming to Christ. Every one of you has got a friend that's like, I'm going to come to church. Yeah, I'm going to do it when I'm ready. When i got to get some things straight with me. i really got to work some stuff out. See, this is where resolutions fail a lot. I would even challenge this. Is there's a lot of people that don't even make resolutions because they got to get some things right before they can start them. How do you many people say, man, I know I got to lose weight. I know I need to eat better. I know I need to save money, but I, I've really got to get some things fixed before I can start putting that money back. Michelle, that's her business, the financials of people. And I know she sits down with people all the time. like, I'm going to save but I've got to do some things first. See, there's even planning and understanding that you got to do some things to get there, but also sometimes you just got to take a step of faith and do it or you're never going to do it. Last year, we did this hard 75, which ended up being a soft 75 because hard 75 is crazy if you've never looked at it, workout and all that thing. <whistles> requires a lot of you. But there had to be a planning place. I didn't just walk into that. But it was hard because even for us, we're like, well, uh, because you don't eat sweets during that time frame, you change your diet. And I'm like, well, if we do it during this 75 days, that's your birthday. And there, well, there's Christmas and New Year's. And there's never a good time to start a diet. Did you know that? There is a day in every 30, 60-day period where you want to eat more than you should. So sometimes, yes, there is planning that goes into it. you got to position and get ready for it. But sometimes you just got to take the step. That goes back to that same accountability people with you that can walk this out. When you walk in, I want the church to begin to be this. I want you to be the planner before they ever walk in. What if somebody walked in, made a commitment, and was handed a planner on a steps to the next journey, what the next step should be? Then they don't have to plan anymore. We walk up to them, man, I, I don't know where you're at, but I'm willing to walk through it with you. you. You didn't walk in the same place I did, but that's okay. Like, let's walk together. Let's begin to make steps. I've done this thing before, and I want to make sure that you're successful in this. The best way to make better choices in your finances and a resolution of saving money is bringing a financial planner on board. Why? Because you got some broken mindsets with money. It is what it is. You've been taught good things, bad things. Sometimes the best planning is bringing somebody alongside that's already planned. Self-doubt. Right in there with this one. The amount of people who don't, don't come to church because of self-doubt. Where does that self-doubt originate? First and foremost, from the liar. See, that's one of those Jesus, I have come statements we love to celebrate. Because he says, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. Man, we love that I come to statement, right? Suck that one up. Jesus, come so I can have an abundant life. There's some things that go along with that. The other 10 statements can't be sacrificed to celebrate the one. Maybe we just need to say that one every week and then get to the hard scriptures to realize that the other outcome statements are to put you in a position to having a life that's more abundant. Self-doubt. Unknowingly, the church has, and it's not anything new because if you look at when Jesus came, the Pharisees did the same thing. There was a lot of self-doubt on people. Determined on what they did and what they didn't do. And meanwhile, these guys that sat in the tabernacle all day did all the right things. One thing they didn't have was self-doubt. But they should have. 
And the moment Jesus came to them and began to put doubt in their minds of where they actually were, rejection. But I think we have to begin to speak life into people. You can do this. It's a lot easier to do things when you've got a group of people around you say, you can do this. You know how I know you can do this? Because I did this. Let me tell you about my testimony of how I got here. I ain't arrived by any stretch, but you know what? I'm better than I was, and this year is better than the last year. Why? Because I made a commitment to God, and I began to grow in my faith. That's the purpose of Revelation 12, 11. The enemy to be defeated by what? The enemy of self-doubt, the enemy of sin, the devil will be defeated. The lies of the enemy will be defeated by two things, the blood of the lamb, which is Jesus, which is the gospel, which is what he came to do and the power of their testimonies, which says what the gospel has done in your life. You want to eliminate self-doubt of people? Invite them into your space of victories. Invite them into your space of struggles and overcoming because it makes this Christianity thing achievable. That's why he picked 12 broken dudes because he needed an achievable path. He needed world changers that had to walk through some stuff and realize that they could do it. But I think this is the most important one. The last one in the six reasons why resolutions are completed. There's not a clear why. See, I think this is where we struggle in church today. In our own relationship with God, is we really don't have a why, a true why. Because if, if Jesus was that resolution, then that was our why. He said, I just want to be saved. Okay. I, why are you losing weight? I don't want to be fat. So I see all these influencers that are skinny and look good, and I want to be, I want to look like that. Play some music. Why do you want to save money? Because that's what I'm told I'm supposed to do. Dave Ramsey told me I'm supposed to save money. Sandy and Rob told me I'm supposed to save money because it worked for them. Okay, it's good. But why? I need to stop smoking. Every time I go out to smoke, my clothes stink, or nobody wants to be around me when I do it, or I'm hacking up a lung when I do it. I just need to stop. Okay, why? All the resolutions come back to that. Why are you doing it? Because if you don't have a why, I can tell you, you'll stop doing it. Or if you have a very shallow why, you'll get there sooner than you thought, and you'll just be done with it. See, I recently spoke with somebody who was carrying celibacy. Said, this is who I am. But said, you know what? It got to be a bit of a struggle and even a bit of an idol. And I'm doing it because I'm supposed to. Then I look around at everybody else that's not doing it, and I begin to judge where I'm at and what they're doing. And you know what? It's easy to slip up and make a mistake in that place because it's not because I have to. It's because I'm supposed to. And something had to happen in their heart to say, you know what? I need to get in here and see what this says about it. There's something that happens when your doctor tells you you have to do something or you're going to die. You want to see your life change, your diet change, all of that? For most people, there's still some that are stubborn and ready to ride this thing out. Most people, it will change their life. See, Jesus was the resolution. But he was a revealing one. He said, I am the answer. I am the truth. I am the light. But it's going to take something from you.
whoever finds his life will lose it. When you think you've got your life figured out and you can do it by yourself, I can assure you. It's that place of self-assuredness, of arrival, where you're at your most lost. But he says, whoever loses his life for my sake sounds an awful lot like the solution that I just talked about. See, it's the ultimate invitation into his very being because he lost his life for your sake. Not though that, so that you could just do whatever you wanted to, He said, are you willing to lose your life for my sake in the same way I lost my life for your sake? Because the moment you do that, you're going to find something that's fresher to you than you ever imagined, realer than you ever imagined. Suddenly the why becomes so apparent to you. And it's not, I have to do this because somebody told me to. I'm not, I don't have to do this because people are watching me. It's because, you know what? He made a commitment to me and I'm going to make a commitment to him. Because the price is worth it. The reward at the end of this thing is worth it. But more importantly than that, every breath that I take, every day that I awake, I can begin to live my life for his sake. There's peace in that. Suddenly this word, this sword, brings peace. As it begins to take away some of the fat. Ooh, I never read that before. Yeah. Okay, I need to pray on that because that's hard. Maybe I need to bring, Richie, I know you're a Bible study. I know you, you know a lot about the Word. Maybe I need to bring you in. Let's go have coffee. Because there's, there's something in this Word that's challenging something to me. And I know I need, I need to resolve some things in my life, but it's not going to happen overnight. And I don't understand there. Maybe I'm just warring against it, and I, I don't want to listen to that. I don't want to hear something's broken in me. So let's go have coffee, because I need to talk to somebody who may know. Because I need a why. Because I've been, I've been doing this a long time. I've been doing this my whole life, and now it's telling me not to do this. And I want to go back to John 19.30 where it says, when Jesus hung his head and it is finished, I want to grab a hold of that and just say, you know what? He's already done everything he needed to do. Yes, that was a powerful statement, but you know what? It is finished meant in its full capacity, it's the moment he accomplished everything that said about him in the Old Testament that he was going to do to be the Messiah. In that moment was the ultimate moment, not of resolution, but of revelation. Because anybody that knew this word knew without a shadow of a doubt who he was. He said there were people at the foot of the cross and the moment that things like that begin to occur, when they begin to sell his clothes, when he quoted some of the scriptures, when he hung his head out of the, after the wine, it said they realized who he was. What I'm asking you in 2022 is this. Don't make a resolution to be a better Christian a resolution to read your Bible more. Don't make a resolution to go pray more. Ask God for a revelation that will challenge you to your core, 
that will make this thing real, that'll put you in a position that I don't have all the answers. I don't know what I need. And there's one place that I know without a shadow of a doubt I can find it. And I need to spend more time in it. Suddenly you're not not reading the Bible in a year just to do it. You're reading the Gospels because you want to know more about this man who came to give his life for you so that you could have life and have it more abundantly. And suddenly that's not the only thing you want to hear him say. You want to hear every word that come out of his mouth because it drives you to be more like him. I'm challenging us, church, in 2022. Are we satisfied with knowing he came? Or is our heart crying out for the why? The why will change you. The why will challenge you. But the why is an invitation that he's given to all of us to begin to walk out. And you don't have to do it by yourself. This will be the year, church, where we come together and we begin doing this thing together. It's the way he taught us. It's the way he demonstrated. And it's the way he told us to continue to do it. Things are shifting and changing here. I believe it's shifting and changing in the whole kingdom of God. It should be getting back and restoring why our Savior came to this earth. Because he was commissioning Christians to walk, talk, and act like him so that this world would know that the Father sent them for them. Father, we thank you today for another breath in our lungs, for more steps in our feet. Father, let this be a season, a year where we just seek more of you. Let our why be a closeness, a new relationship with you, a deeper understanding of who you are so that we can understand our worth and our value, that we can understand our ability to overcome, and we can understand the call to love people as they walk out their own journeys. Father, we thank you today that you continue to invite us into this place of challenge so that we can go meet the lost where they are. Let them know that they've got a fighting chance. Let them know the hope in our why. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Let's go. 